This is Dina Weiss for Hadar and Parashat Mitzorah, in praise of privacy. Although the Torah itself never specifies the reason why a person or their property would be afflicted by tzarat, the rabbis supply a number of theories, seven in Masechet Arachin alone. The dominant rationale in rabbinic sources, and that which has proven to be most compelling, is that tzara'at comes on account of forbidden, evil, or libelous speech, lashon hara. In fact, Midrash Vayikra Rabbah suggests that the word for one who has been afflicted with tzara'at, a mitzora, can also be read as a contraction for the term for libel, motzi shame ra. Even beyond this creative etymology, there is a deep connection between the laws of tzara'at and negative speech. Surprisingly, one of the clearest ways to understand this relationship is through the laws of privacy. Privacy is about respecting the right of another person to control what is or is not seen, heard, or known about them. Lashon hara is designed to do just the opposite. The laws of privacy are found in Masechet Bababatra, which focuses on property law, both in terms of inheritance and ownership and in terms of other rights and responsibilities that one has as a property owner. Among the Talmud's concerns is that a person should feel comfortable in their own house or yard without having to worry that other people will be watching them. In the Talmud, violations of privacy are referred to as hezek ri'iyah, damage by sight or visibility. In order to prevent this damage, one neighbor's right to privacy can limit the way another neighbor builds their own home. Consequently, the Mishnah in Baba Batra prohibits constructing the windows or doors of my house on my own property in a way that might open sight lines from my house into the house or yard of my neighbors. Lo yiftach adam lachatzar hashutfin petach keneged petach vechalon keneged chalon. A person should not open windows that face a shared courtyard. If he built an attic on top of his house, he shouldn't create a door that faces the shared courtyard. If he wants to, he should build a room inside his house, build the attic on top of his house, and have the door go into his own house. A person should not open a door to the shared courtyard that faces another door or a window that faces another window. If the opening was small, he shouldn't make it larger. And if there was just one, he shouldn't make a second. In the Ramban's commentary on the Talmudic discussion corresponding to these laws, he suggests that the prohibition of Lashon Hara stands behind the laws of Hezek Riyah, the damage caused by violating one's privacy. Although Lashon Hara is usually thought of in terms of speech, it is more accurate to think of it more expansively as the sharing of information. And whether that information is shared by visual or oral means is immaterial. Further, just as Lashon Hara is intangible, yet can cause irreparable damage, so too seeing something that one is not supposed to see can have a damaging effect. But what is the actual damage? How is a person compromised by another person's having seen them? An answer can be found in Rabbeinu Yonah's discussion of another phenomenon, which is analogous to Lashon Hara, but is not always thought of as being incorporated into that category, divulging secrets. 
And though we intuitively understand the divulging of secrets as a terrible violation of trust, we don't often think of sharing these confidences as being something prohibited by the Torah. Yet, Rabbeinu Yonah states that sharing secrets is a form of slander and is therefore explicitly forbidden. And a person is required to conceal the secret that his friend has revealed to him, even though there is no technical slander in revealing the secret. For in revealing the secret, there is damage to its owner and a reason for him to change his mind. As it says, he changes his mind in the absence of secrecy. According to Rabbi Nuyona, the reason why revealing a secret is wrong is that it causes the owner of the secret to change their mind. They aren't free to behave and interact with others the way that they might have before. What Rabbi Nuyona is pointing to is that we often operate according to what our reputation dictates, according to what we believe other people know about us. Any information they know about me will cause other people to relate to me differently, and then I will relate differently to myself. When this information is divulged without my permission, it can unjustly determine the way that I act in the world. Whether or not the information is accurate, and whether or not the information is positive, neutral, or negative. The right to privacy is about my being able to do what I need to without other people's judgments determining my behavior. It's about creating a space for me to be myself. When I don't control the flow of information about myself, then I also lose control of my right to determine my own behavior. It is this quality that makes sharing secrets a type of para slander because it allows a third party to unfairly determine a person's reputation, undermining that person's right to determine it for themselves. This insight is borne out by Rabbi Aaron Yehuda Grossman's explanation of the Ramban's claim that violations of privacy can be understood as Lashon Hara. She'isur Lashon Hara The prohibition of Lashon Hara is when Reuven tells something to Shimon about Levi. Just as Levi doesn't want Shimon to know about him, he also doesn't want Reuven to know. And therefore, when Reuven looks at the property of Shimon, he violates the prohibition of Lashon Hara. And to bring a further source for the words of the Ramban from an explicit Yerushalmi and Peah, they asked Rabbi Yochanan, what is Lashon Hara? He answered, the one who says it and the one who knows it. And in my humble opinion, 
the Ramban learned and the one who knows it in its plain sense that Ruvain has done an action in knowing Shimon's business, and this is the prohibition of Lashon Hara. According to Rabbi Grossman, we make a mistake in our ordinary understanding of the prohibition of Lashon Hara. We are accustomed to thinking that the problem of Lashon Hara begins at the point of passing on the information. But according to Rabbi Grossman, the violation actually begins at an earlier point with the obtaining of the information. The subject of the gossip, whom he calls Levi, is not only concerned with the transmission of information from one party to the next, from Ruvain who saw it to Shimon who listens, he doesn't want anyone to know this about him, including Ruvain. His concern over people talking about him is secondary to his primary concern, that anyone at all will know something about him that he has not chosen to share about himself. Rabbi Grossman grounds his understanding of the problem with the Shon Hara in Rabbi Yochanan's statement in the Talmud Yerushalmi, which he quotes in full, that Lashon Hara is defined by the one who says it and the one who knows it. Traditionally, Rabbi Yochanan's statement has been understood to refer to two different people, the one who speaks it, Ruvain, and the one who receives the information, who now knows it, Shimon. The recipient of the information is called the knower because he has become in the know on account of the new information that he has received from the gossiper. However, Rabbi Grossman understands that problematic possession of information doesn't begin with the person who hears the rumor. It begins with the person who didn't understand that the information wasn't his to share just as it wasn't his to know. The knower is not only Shimon, who listens to the Lashon Hara, but Ruvain himself, who has been watching Levi, the subject of the evil speech, and gathering information about him. Ruvain should not have been accessing details about Levi's life, whether or not those details were positive or negative. And as Rabbeinu Yonah teaches, even if Levi has given the information to Ruvain in the form of a secret, the information still fundamentally belongs to Levi the person the information is about. Levy has the right to control what is known about him so that he can determine his own reputation and isn't subtly or overtly forced to conduct himself differently because of the prying eyes and judgments of others. Therefore, it makes sense that not only negative statements, true or false, are prohibited under the rubric of Lashon Hara, but even positive speech is considered inappropriate. Tani Ravdimi Achua de Rav Safra Ravdimi, the brother of Safra, taught, a person should never speak positively about his friend because out of his good can come his misfortune. One way of understanding Ravdimi's prohibition is that the danger of speaking even positively about someone appears at a later stage. First, I say something good about someone. This is tovato, for his good. And then eventually, it might cause someone else to say, oh, I don't think that's true about Levi. In fact, the opposite is true. Levi isn't great. He's terrible. However, Avdimi does not state that the harm comes from a second statement that another person might say. He indicates that the evil or misfortune will come as a result of the initial speaking. There is something inherently problematic in speaking about another person. Even if you are saying something positive and trying to promote the person you are speaking about, trying to enhance someone else's reputation 
also creates expectations for their behavior. It also has the impact of controlling who that person is by determining how they might be perceived. There are many different types of tzara'at, but the one thing that every case of tzara'at requires is the involvement of the kohen in the diagnosis and the treatment. Perhaps this is not only because a person isn't expert enough to determine whether or not they have tzara'at, but in order to enact a type of measure for measure, midah keneged midah, punishment for their crime of lashon hara. It is to force them to expose themselves to the Kohen, just like they have exposed others. And the most telling aspect of the process is that once a person has been determined to be a Mitzorah, they need to walk around calling out Tame Tame, impure, impure, about themselves, sharing this highly personal information with any passerby. So perhaps the actual punishment for Tzorat is this moment of declaring their own impurity, the gossiper is forced to acknowledge publicly that they have been afflicted with tarat, the person who was going around informing on the status of other people, or perhaps just collecting information about them for himself, now himself has to go around exposed, letting everyone know about his condition. By experiencing the shame of exposure, he can learn to internalize the value of privacy. Once he understands what it's like to be the object of unwanted attention and uninvited scrutiny, he'll become wiser and more sensitive regarding obtaining and spreading information about others. Wishing you a Shabbat of privacy and intimacy. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.